Hey, what's up? It's episode 41, pain points of wealth and a lot going on right now. The Fed has come out and admitted that inflation might not be transitory, just like we've been telling you week after week. They're looking to maybe raise interest rates sooner than expected. No kidding. However, in other news, the treasury market or the bond market, interest rates actually went down. So what's the deal? Is inflation transitory? Is inflation here to stay? Are interest rates going higher or lower? We're going to break it down for you today on the show. And on the tipping point, we're going to talk about pain points, that's P-A-I-N, that you have when it comes to your finances. What's stopping you right now to getting on your path to financial independence? We're going to talk about the psychology of money of some of the things that you need to be dealing with right now when it comes to your finances to get over those mental hurdles. We got a great show for you. Hit the music. Welcome to the Pain Points of Wealth, the podcast that addresses the pain points that come with creating, growing, and sustaining your wealth, giving you a multi-generational perspective from three pains in a pod. Bob Payne, the boomer, Chris Payne, the millennial, and Ryan Payne, the generation somewhere in between. You know, guys, it's, they talk about the summer doldrums when it comes to the stock market. It looked like it was the spring doldrums when the stock market pretty much went sideways for a couple of months. And then the Federal Reserve decided to meet and tell us that maybe inflation is not transitory. And as a result, they promised to raise interest rates, not in 2021, not in 2022, but in 2023, they're going to raise it twice. Like, really? Does anybody buy this? Well, you know what? I think backpedal is the word of the day. I think the Fed's just going to continue to backpedal until they really get to what the real number is going to be. Guys, call me uh, crazy here, but do you think Jay Powell's just been listening to our podcast week after week and finally decided, I got a cave here. You know, those pain boys, they've been on the pulse of this thing for months now. They told us that inflation wasn't transitory. And it looks like that's what's coming to fruition, right? You start looking at CPI. Consumer price index, which is the measure of inflation, it was up 5% year over year in May. That's a huge number. We haven't seen inflation like that in literally decades. And you start looking at, again, you know, as Bob likes to say, don't believe your lion eyes or believe your lion eyes. You know, basically, prices are going up everywhere. As we're recording this, oil is now $73 a barrel. It's just like inflation's everywhere. Yeah, but meanwhile, right, lumber dropped 45% since May. Copper which is, you know, always been like the uh, canary in the coal mine for the economy. Futures are down now 12% from their record high. And so all of a sudden, these commodity prices, which have been so strong, are starting to weaken. So maybe it is transitory. You got to remember that when it comes to markets, one of the dynamics that you typically have is nothing goes in a straight line. <laughs> you know, because yes, commodity prices have come down, but look at copper, for instance, like you just mentioned, Bob, it's still up 50% from a year ago, even though it's come down in the last couple of weeks. I mean, commodity prices are still way higher than they were. And I think when you're thinking about your investment portfolio specifically, it's not about winning the battle, it's about winning the war. And that's the question. Well, is this just a breather here for commodity prices and inflation, or is this a new trend? Well, not according to the Bank of America. They just came out the other day and said, they see oil at $100 a barrel. You know, I, the thing that drives me crazy about these analysts, Chris, you know, back about a year ago when oil printed at negative $37 a barrel, where was Goldman and Merrill and Morgan Stanley, all these analysts, they're saying, well, it may never go up again. And now they're going, oh, it's going to be $100 a barrel. I mean, it's like, these guys make it up every day. Well, you know what, Dad, if memory serves correctly, I remember back at that time, you were saying how oil was such a great buy and that you were excited that it was at those prices. Well, you know, what we found in markets, the biggest cure, the best cure for low prices 
is low prices. And that's the whole point. Every move in the financial markets, whether it's commodities or interest rates or the stock market, every move creates its own countervailing force. So, you know, when people are buying and chasing strength, there's other smart investors that are fading the strength. So, you know, as you say, Rye, nothing goes in a straight line, but you have to look at a little longer term than just a week or a day in terms of uh, figuring out which way the wind is blowing. Yeah, it's the proverbial one sunny day doesn't make a summer. And I think that's where, as an investor, what you have to think about, again, is the big picture, as opposed to thinking about these smaller moves that are happening on a day-to-day basis or month-to-month basis. And if you look at the big picture, nothing's really changed here, right? One of the hottest economies we've had since the 1960s. You know, since Bob was going to Led Zeppelin concerts, (laughs) we haven't seen an economy that's going to run this hot. In that many years, and you know, the one thing we talked about last week on the podcast, and I think it's worth talking about again, the one issue, and what's more inflationary than commodity prices going up, is the fact that labor costs are going up. It's like every company I talk to, every client is a business owner. It's like, man, oh man, it's hard to get good workers. I'm raising their comp right now. And that's probably one of the most inflationary trends you can possibly have, because when you start raising wages for people, it's hard to go the other way. And we know this is business owners. Well, you know, we just had your, your sister's baby shower this weekend, and one of her friends flew up from Florida, and she couldn't get out of town. Not because there were no planes, not because there's no energy, there's no jet fuel. They couldn't find a pilot. So there's a shortage of both skilled and non-skilled labor with 9.3 million job openings unfilled right now. Labor is going to be a big problem, and that's really what drives inflation is wage inflation, and that's coming. Well, you know, it's interesting, guys. Back in April, 384,000 people left their jobs. And you know what? Last time I checked, you don't leave your job voluntarily unless there's a good market for employment. Yeah, it's like, duh. And that's the thing that blows my mind is these economists, they never get it right because they just don't understand people. I feel like it's just like these people that go to Wharton and all the big business schools, they sit in these classrooms and talk hypotheticals, yet they probably can't go on the street and have a conversation with anybody. (laughs) <laughs> because like, this it, is not rocket science. It's like, okay, I have a business, my labor costs have gone up, but on the flip side, so is demand for my services because everybody has more money right now. In fact, Americans have $2.5 trillion more than they did before the pandemic started, which means they have plenty of money to spend. So you're thinking I can expand right now. People want my services and my labor's gone up. What am I going to do? I'm going to raise my prices. Duh. And when you raise prices, that's inflationary. And for anyone who doesn't see this, it's like you're living under a rock right now. It's the most obvious thing in the world. We shouldn't even be debating if there's going to be inflation or not. There is. Duh. You know, one of the nice things about having the gray hair on this podcast is that all my clients either have grayer hair than I do or no hair. But they've all been in business for 40 or 50 years, 50, 60 years. And they tell me the same thing over and over. Bob, once you raise prices, you never bring them down. So, you know, that's the thing about price inflation is once it goes up, it doesn't come down. And now you have, you know, so many people that are looking for employees and that they're willing to pay up and they're willing to poach employees from other companies. You have to pay people to do that. That's wage inflation. That's where I see the inflation rate really start to ramp up in the coming months. And that's probably going to be persistent because think about it. And this is one of the misconceptions is if you go after the financial crisis, Americans started saving again. You know, we have this concept that Americans just like take that credit card out. They spend wildly. There's no savings going on at all. But that actually did change after the financial crisis. People got scared. And you're seeing that right now, too. Everyone's saving more money than they used to. So it's not like they're just going to go out there and blow all their cash. And one big spending spree, and it's going to be over. But now you have a more conservative consumer 
whose wages are going up, which means demand and their ability to spend is going to go on for a long time, which means persistent inflationary pressure. You heard it here first. We're going to be laughing about this in six months because everyone else is going to act surprised like they didn't expect it. Wait a minute, Rye. The government printed all this money and gave it to businesses and individuals. And you're saying they're saving. Why are they saving it? Because they have to pay it back? Probably that's part of it is people are afraid, you know, being through the financial crisis, being through the pandemic. We know we need to have money saved for a rainy day. It's psychological. After the Great Depression, you saw the same thing. You had a generation of savers because everyone remembered how bad it was when things went bad. And we had the same dynamic going on right now. We all remember what the financial crisis looked like and remembered, you know, what it was like to have too much credit card debt and people don't want to go there again. It's just like human psychology. Well, that's the whole thing. You know, you go back to the financial crisis. We had the government come out with TARP. You guys remember TARP? Yes, I do. You know, what was that? Troubled Asset Relief Program. I mean, they come up with these crazy acronyms. But, you know, they gave that money to the banks with the promise that the banks would pay it back with 5% interest. Plus, they got some warrants right on stocks. So the government actually made a killing on TARP, believe it or not. Our government actually made a smart investment for the first time. Now, Chris, they're printing trillions of dollars. You know, like TARP looks like a pimple, you know, compared to a speed bump, you know, as opposed to this gigantic mound of money that the government's printing. Nobody's on the hook for this money. That doesn't have to be paid back. If that's not inflationary, I don't know what is. Well, here's a real world example of that, Dad. I had a client of mine I talked to yesterday, and he got two rounds of PPP. And then the state of New Jersey also gave him some money. And you know what he's doing with that money, guys? He's not spending it. Guess where he's putting it? With paying capital management. Bingo. Probably the best decision anyone can make with their money, but that's another story altogether. So look, I think the bottom line is what we've talked about here for the last couple months is you're having this big transition going on in the economy where we're going from a relatively deflationary period, which was the last decade, to an inflationary period. So adjusting your portfolio, don't believe the hype that this inflationary pressure was transitory. It's going to be persistent. You've got to focus on that as a long-term, bigger-term trend. Don't focus on the short-term, focus on the long-term. That's how you win. That's the paying capital way. That's the way you should invest your money. Hey, I hope you're enjoying episode 42, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you find it valuable, please click on the like button, leave a comment, subscribe to our channel. If you're watching this on YouTube, you can click that notification key to know that every week when our podcast comes out, you can get it on a regular basis. You can also sign up for our email list, but subscribe. If you find anyone else who would like our podcast, love our podcast, we've doubled our listenership in the last two months. Please don't be shy, forward our podcast over, give us some love. All right, gentlemen, the tipping point. We pinpoint the pain point. Of course, that's P-A-Y-N-E, having the biggest impact on your wealth right now. So Bob and Chris, you know, when it comes to advising the 2,000 or so families that we do at our firm, pain capital management, we find that everyone has a specific pain point. Now, that's P-A-I-N, you know, something that basically is holding you back when it comes to getting to that place of what we call financial independence. So I thought we could talk about some of those bigger pain points that we experience and how to get over them so we can really like get the anxiety away when it comes to our money. Well, Ryan, one of the biggest pain points that I find when I talk to my clients is the fear of running out of money. And I tell you what, it's not just like a, you know, a surface layer fear, it's visceral. Like it's really something that my clients and all of our clients really feel, especially as they're going that transition from having an income now to going to their wealth distribution years. So, you know, the fear of running out of money, not having enough money, you know, until they walk out on earth is a very scary thing. I don't know why it's so scary, Chris, because my whole plan has been to run out of money and then live on your couch. Well, Bob, Brian and I were really hoping for that big inheritance. I'm feeling a little bit disappointed. Talk about having a high maintenance visitor if Bob was to live on your couch. Oh my God. You'd be like, you'd be serving him 24 seven. 
I mean, all the creature comforts that mom had built for Bob over the years, it's just not pretty. Well, I actually think that uh, running out of money as a fear is a great motivator, and it's something that everybody should fear. Cost of living is going up dramatically. I mean, when you look at the inflation rate that we've talked about week after week, it is going up. It's been kind of muted, even at 2 to 3%. But look what's happening to healthcare costs. You know, look what's happening to people living longer. So, you know, you need to have that healthy fear to make sure you're motivated to make the right decisions. Because if you're going to put your money in cash, you're going to end up losing money and you're not going to make your goals. You have to have a strategy to get there. Yeah, you do. But I think the problem is you get to a point where that fear becomes to a point where it's actually like it's taking you away from actually enjoying yourself because you're always worried about it, especially when you're in that financial red zone. We talk about this when you're five years out, 10 years out from retirement. And Bob, you know, you once told us famous Bobism that if you can't measure it, you can't manage it. We always talk about how we put this like therapy couch in our office here because when you come in, it's like getting financial therapy. There's just something so therapeutic about getting the numbers out there where we can actually measure what are you going to need to spend and where is the money to fund your retirement or your financial independence going to come from. When you know those things are covered, it really takes that anxiety out of the equation because now it's like, you know what? I know exactly where I'm going to draw from. I know what inflation is going to look like. So I think clarifying those things is huge. Well, you know what, Ryan, and it's not just sitting down one time and looking at the numbers and looking out how it projects out. You got to do it every single year at a minimum. And you know, the one thing I always say to my clients at the end of every review is that you are financially healthy for another year. That's a good point, Chris, because if you don't do that, what you tend to do is take more risks thinking, oh my goodness, I've got to get high, ridiculous returns in order for me not to outlive my money. But if you do a wealth projection, you look at what happens with Social Security, with interest and dividends coming in and the compounding your money, it's pretty simple. And 90% of everyone we've ever met with, and I mean, I'm talking about way back when I started 47 years ago, 90% of everybody we met with was taking more risks than necessary to achieve that longevity. And so that's what that fear does. And it's amazing to me that very few people who don't work with us have these wealth projections done for them, not just once, but every year. Well, yeah, but forget it. In our industry, the laziest industry in the world is most financial advisors, quote unquote, don't do any financial planning. You know, recommending some sort of product for your portfolio is no substitute for actually sitting down and doing the hard work of figuring out what your budget is, figuring out what inflation is going to look like, figuring out what taxation is going to look like, and then building your strategy around that. And God forbid, looking at it every 12 months and updating it every 12 months. But to your point, Chris, I mean, it's no different than your physical health. You would never just get a physical one year and then 10 years later think, well, I got that physical 10 years ago. So what do I have to worry about? But that's essentially what we do with our finances. And it's completely counterintuitive. And it's like detrimental to your financial health, 100%. Hey, wait a minute, Ryan. I went to my doctor, Dr. Vinny Bumbats, when I was 18 years old. And he said, you're set for life, Bob. You never have to come back. So, you know, I'm still living. <laughs> and that hair looks great, Bob, for all those watching this on YouTube. But yeah, the other thing you talked about is this anxiety about taxes. I've been fighting that anxiety for my whole career. It's like, Bob, if we go in and we make a lot of money, I'm going to have to pay taxes. Like, no kidding. So what if you pay taxes? You know, you get to keep the rest. Yeah, I know. So if you're paying a lot of taxes, you're making a lot of money. Come on. But I think the other part of that equation is like, we're all worried now taxes are going up, right? The trillions upon trillions of dollars that the government is printing at the moment, that's going to come back and bite us in the you know what. But there's so many things we can do right now proactively to mitigate that, right? I mean, there's so many strategies we're using with, at our practice with our clients right now, anything from like a Roth conversion where you convert your money to be tax-free or you take capital gains this year or you speed up some of your gifting. Like there's so many things you can do proactively to fight against the tax man. 
Legally, of course. Well, I think the number one thing we should all do is get rid of every tax inefficient investment, right? Things like mutual funds, like the worst way to invest almost as bad as maybe annuities. But anyway, you have mutual funds, which are tax inefficient. Buy taxable bonds. You can buy municipal bonds where the interest is tax-free. So a lot of times it's just a matter of eliminating the tax inefficiency in your portfolio. Yeah, exactly. And another example would be like if you have a 401k, take advantage of the fact that 401ks nowadays offer a Roth option where you can put money away on an after-tax basis, but they grow tax-free for life. If you really break it down, it's really just the fear of the unknown that causes most anxiety. And, you know, a lot of these are solvable problems, even though we don't know what the market's going to do next year. You know, we can't predict 100% what inflation's going to do. We don't know how long you're going to live. But if we put together a proactive plan, a lot of these anxieties go by the wayside. Like if you know you're optimizing taxes to the best of your ability, if we know we can fund your lifestyle for 30, 40 years, even with your cost of living going up with a lot of certainty, that just brings the stress levels down to what Bob likes to call that sleep point. And that's what financial independence is all about. It's not worrying about your money 24-7. It's crazy to do that. You got to live your life. And to throw out another Bobism, we're going to out-earn Congress's ability to screw us. That's why we still have a job, buddy. But I'll tell you what, the biggest thing that I see is so many of you time the market because you're so afraid of this impending market crash. Now, you guys, when you look at my career, your career, and Chris's career, we have a combined 75 years of industry experience. Over that period, has there ever been a permanent drop in the history of the financial markets? Well, last time I checked, since 1776, the market's done nothing but go straight up. So I think the answer to that is no. I didn't realize you're such a market historian. Amazing. You know, every drop in history has been temporary and the ups have been inevitable to instead of fearing a market drop, it's volatility should be embraced. It's volatility that actually creates the opportunity to create wealth. And so it's really important to go back to the points you guys are making earlier about having a long-term strategy, a strategy that keeps you invested and has the highest probability of achieving your goals because that volatility now is something you can embrace, look forward to, as opposed to fearing you know, that someday the market may go down. And just to add to that, my question always is, what market? <laughs> you know, Not every market trades the same. Well, the stock market's overvalued. Well, is that growth stocks? Is that international stocks? Is that small cap stocks? I think that's the other misconception. You can't just make sweeping statements about this big, broad market because every market trades differently. And this year's a perfect example of that with commodity prices up huge, growth stocks underperforming. So, you know, you could see a big dip in the market, but that just might be one market. <laughs> and that's the other part of, you know, building a strategy that actually isn't predicated on is the market up or down if you have lots of markets in your portfolio. By the way, guys, before we started the podcast today, I made a list of all the people I've worked with over the last 47 years who have timed the market, who have gotten out at the top so they could buy the market at a lower price. There's nobody on the list. I say, wow, Bob, you know, spending a lot of time looking into this stuff. Well, you know that I think oftentimes when folks do try and time the market, they usually time it the best, but in the opposite way. You know, when they sell out, it's usually when the market's at the bottom. And then when they get back in again, it's usually a top. It's one of my top indicators, Chris. Don't give out any more of my secrets. You know, all this anxiety is really caused by the one key issue. And the key issue is no one wants to pay the price. The price of investing successfully is volatility. It's the unknown. It's fearing something that you can't control. Volatility is real comes out of nowhere. It's not predictable, but it's something that we all survive. So basically what you have to do is be educated. Remember, God created volatility to keep the uninformed poor. People listen to this podcast, you're informed, stay the course, volatility is your friend.
Bob, Chris, and I now have a collective 75 years helping individuals just like you with your planning and investing. This is literally what we do every single day. Everything you hear on this podcast, along with some due diligence of your own, can help you get ahead, financially speaking, at any stage of your journey. But if you want a more hands-on approach, some real guidance when it comes to your finances, and you have over $500,000 saved, well, you can apply for a complimentary financial review. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for one of our free total financial master plan. We'll literally look at everything for you, everything from taxes. We'll do a full audit of every single investment you own, the fees you're paying. We're going to do a full expense and income plan to make sure you're on track and give you a complete strategy to make sure that you grow your wealth and you can live off of it over the rest of your life. Simply go to www.paincm.com slash financial plan to see if you qualify for a complimentary financial review. Hey, hope you're enjoying episode 42, Pain Points of Wealth. If you like our content, you love our content, don't be shy. Click on the like button, subscribe. If you're watching this on YouTube, click the notification key so you can get our podcast every single week. Be notified when our next Pain Points of Wealth podcast is coming out. And if anyone else can benefit from our fantastic content, please don't be shy. Forward our podcast along. We're trying to get the good word out. All right, gentlemen, the hidden facts of finance, random financial facts that may surprise you or even shock you. Bob, two weeks ago, the 30-year muni treasury ratio dropped to 64%, its richest level ever. And on Friday, 30-year A and triple B yields closed at all-time lows. Massive buying has propelled triple A municipal bonds to their lowest yield relative to treasuries ever in history. That's a lot of money going into the bond market. It's a ton of money going into the bond market, right? Because of two issues. You got supply and demand. First of all, when you look at municipal bonds, there's like a million issuers, a million issuers of tax-free debt. But of those million issuers, less than 500 ever get a rating of AA or AAA. Of course, that's the whole thing about owning a bond. You want a return of your money, not just a return on the money. Meanwhile, the demand's going up because everybody's taxes are going up and everybody wants to pay less tax. And the best way to get less tax on your bond money is to invest in municipal bonds. Money tax-free, Bob, is better money than you pay taxes on. Amen. Chris, despite a jump in taxes during World War II, total disposable personal income in 1944 was double what it was in 1940. America's gross domestic product tripled from 1940 to 1950 in dollar terms. Man, oh man, the economy just like boomed after the war. Well, I'll tell you what, boys, just because taxes are going up doesn't mean that the economy is going to suffer and your personal income is going to suffer. So don't be afraid of taxes. All right. Don't be afraid of tax man. You heard it here first. Chris Payne. Bob, the largest plant-based sector remains milk, which grew twice as fast as cow's milk sales in 2020. Almond milk is the category leader, but oat milk, my favorite, is the second leading segment ahead of soy milk. 39% of U.S. households now buy plant-based milk. Yeah, right. I don't understand. Why does everybody want to drink oat milk and soy milk? Does it give you a milk mustache like real milk? I mean, that's all that really matters. Well, it makes me think when we were kids, there was so much propaganda and it shows how powerful the lobbying groups around milk were that everything was about how milk made your bones strong, yet we drank so much milk that now everyone in the country is lactose intolerant. So just saying. Chris, Russia tech has a long growth runway ahead of it. E-commerce accounts for less than 10% of retail sales compared to 25% in China. Household debt is a puny 20% of gross domestic product compared to almost 80% in the US. 
just another reason that these emerging economies have so much more growth opportunity than we have here. Well, you know what, Rye? High growth potential plus a lack of debt makes for a uh, great prospects in the future. Chris, what are you saying? Putin is uh, your favorite world leader now? What are you trying to tell us? <laughs> I think I'm reading this too deeply. Great podcast, comrades. <laughs> <laughs> All right, gentlemen, another great podcast. Again, if you like our content, you love it. Subscribe, join the party. And as always, stay loose and keep an open mind. Thanks for listening to The Pain Points of Wealth. Hopefully you found the ideas discussed in this episode valuable and useful for your own financial journey. You can find out more about Bob, Brian, and Chris's firm, Payne Capital Management, at BeBullish.com or through the contact information found in the description of this episode in your podcast player or app. Join us next week for another episode of The Pain Points of Wealth, brought to you by Payne Capital Management. Information provided on today's show is provided for informational purposes only and does not constitute investment, tax, or legal advice. Information is obtained from sources that are deemed to be reliable, but their accuracy and completeness cannot be guaranteed. Oh,